Hello and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today we're meeting a very special person. Someone who has made me think a lot about the way I express myself and what it means to share a new experience with other people. Today we meet Wanda Canton. If someone gives you a mic and you then go a cappella and you have to speak it out loud, that moment is the most, I mean I would call it revolutionary. I think it's such an incredible opportunity to get something physically out. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And now, here's the show. scariest things I have done this year was turn up to a spoken word and rap session. It will be no surprise to most of you that I've never rapped before. I was really intrigued about this session. I found out about it through the charity Mind. As some of you will know, I'm an ambassador for the charity and I love being an ambassador. And this was one of those sort of weird, wonderful opportunities that I had to say yes to. I was really intrigued and terrified because walking into a room of people you don't know is already scary enough. But adding spoken word into the mix just felt ridiculous. So everybody in this group has been dealing with certain mental health issues, myself included. So we sat down and I did not want to do my poem. I did not want to even, I didn't want to write the poem, let alone read it in front of people. But by the end of the session, I found myself standing up in front of a group of strangers and reading out what I'd written down, all because of the brilliant leader of this session, who's a magical lady called Wanda, who does spoken word and rap regularly and holds these sessions for people that don't feel particularly confident in speaking their minds or articulating their problems. She totally blew me away. I completely fell in love with her and immediately after the session said, will you come and do me podcast? So here she is today. And just to give you a flavour of what she can do and as a little treat, here's a short spoken word piece by Wanda herself. They told me I was born steady. Many men are ready to be heavy on the duty light to the scene, like a flight to the highest heaven that became visionary to be busy with a bigger dream. But the fantasy deceived in the madness to the melody. I have travelled further streams and swam a deeper shore. Sought a different order, caused the chaos in disorder for the cause to be achieved. I sought for meaning to believe. But now I'm climbing higher, reaching for a taller means. I can see a sight that keeps me blinded in the guidance of my feet. Keep me grounded, I decided power lay in me. Only point to prove is true to who I'll be. People package profit, top it off to keep it balanced. Pills are popping often undiscovered with them in the root. The grass is always greener, so we smoke it, make it sweeter. Disproportionately peaceful means the portion must be weak. 
Keeping sadness hidden is a tragedy, the trap is bursting at the seams, unravelling in rapid speed. Grapple with the symbol of a talent, trauma troubled her, she dabbled, now a tipple is to live. Live between extremities, a world beyond the gavel, hardened to a shield, but bullets cause internal bleed. Focused on a prayer dismantled, monsters hide beneath her bed. Pillow talk is cheap when there ain't nothing to be said. I think spoken word is whatever you make of it. It could be prose, it could be storytelling, it could be poetry, it could be hip-hop. It's really whatever you want to make of it. I think the most important thing about spoken word is the space to say what you want to say. Yeah. So that can take many different forms, but really it's up to you. And how did you come across it? What age did you sort of discover it and and fall in love with it? Well, it's a little bit weird, actually. Um, I remember it was probably in about 2011-ish. I um, had a really bad relationship and I broke up with this person, woke up in the morning, which I remember very vividly, at 11am and decided to write a complete vent. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily written for any purpose or with anything in mind, but I just wrote it and uploaded it. That night I went to a party and bumped into a friend of mine who asked me to um, read it back to him. So I did and as I was reading it, it just turned quite naturally into a rhythm. So I was like, okay, cool. So my friend says, well, you know, I'm having this uh, launch party for a cafe that we're opening. You should come down and perform it. They're at a party, right? So I'm like, yeah, okay, cool, fine. I'll do that, thinking. Like, I'll just say yes now and then get out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Then he put my name really big on the poster. And I was like, okay, I'm actually going to have to do this. Went down to this night. And honestly, you've never seen anybody more nervous. I was completely, I was like a leaf, absolutely shaking. Didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing it, but decided to go ahead anyway. And it went really well. People liked my vent. So from there, I just started getting gigs, started performing at kind of open mics or festivals or wherever people would have me, really. And it just kind of went from there. So it was very unexpected. Went through a very difficult time myself um, and had some demons to fight for my for myself. Um, so I did stop writing for a while because it didn't feel right for me to be on stage. And it was something that I was still writing a lot and I was still kind of experimenting with spoken word and with rap. But it wasn't something that I was ready to kind of share like you, I've always really enjoyed writing in a very mm. different way. You know, you're very skilled in this spoken word and, and rap and, and your specialities. Mine's been very much kind of like whatever mm. comes out, it's got to come out. Mm. I mean, it's very much how I sort of write my books as well. But I think it's very interesting what you said. When you were in a particularly dark spot, you couldn't write. And I've been through a similar situation where it goes beyond just needing to vent or talk about something that's been painful. When you're in it, you don't want to accept it. You don't want to honour it. You don't want to write it down. And that was that quite a frustrating period for you, not having that process available? Completely. I mean, I was still, it was, I could write, but I just couldn't, it's not that I couldn't, but I didn't want to perform. I think for me, writing is so, I mean, part of the reason I love spoken word is because, well, there's several things to say in that, but if you if you think about when you say something, rather than just writing it down, it's almost like it creates a sense of movement, mm. like something's happened, you've said it. And now you have to kind of confront whatever it is that you've said, which is why it feels so emotional. I think I was already kind of aware of that. And I knew that at that stage I was going through some major life transformations. And I kind of I knew that I needed some privacy with that. I wasn't quite sure who I was going to be. In fact, my mum always calls me a bit of a, a preacher, like I'm born again. But it did feel like that. It was a really quite a dramatic 
um, transformation. It was very private and it had to be off stage. And I think also because I had already started performing, there was a, a kind of um, an image that I had or that I felt that I had or a way that I was, I believed that I was perceived. And I needed to get away from that. I had to have some privacy and to kind of go through this, what's that word, metamorphosis. You know, the butterflies when they kind of like Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, yeah. that's the word. Mm. Um, I needed to do that. And now I'm here. Mm. So it turned out well in the end. So, so what was that seminal moment, that pivotal point where you thought, I can get back on stage now mm. and I can, I can do this? I think for me, I realised one day I deserve more than this. And that, for me, it sounds so simple, but actually it's the hardest thing. When you're in a dark place or when you're going through something difficult, it's so rare to actually believe that you deserve better and I just remember suddenly realising that and it seemed so simple but actually if I deserve better then maybe I can start taking steps to make that whatever that better means whatever that looks like I can kind of start taking responsibility for myself and how do I get to where I want to be so that was really kind of the the defining moment for me in terms of performing actually it was when I started running the groups because a really important part of Spoken Minds or any of the workshops that I run is that we are equal as artists so it would seem a little bit hypocritical really for me to be asking people to do things that I wouldn't do myself so that's kind of when I started performing so it's only actually been a couple of years since I've been back on stage so the group spurred you on really completely wow absolutely I mean they're inspiring inspiring people they are and I really want to talk about this because this is how I met you Mm. you know I found out about what you did and naturally was intrigued and walked in the door and was shitting myself, I'll be honest. Like, I'm sure everybody in that yeah. room feels a sense of fear because we, we don't know each other. Mm. We don't know each other's stories. Mm. And we know that at some point we're going to be asked to write something down and to then possibly stand up and read it out. And mm. I'll be honest with you, Wanda, when I sat in the room, in my head I was thinking, there's no way I'm reading this poem yeah. out. Even if I write something on the page, I'm not going to stand up. Mm-hmm. But somehow you've got this weird magic that then allows everybody to start communicating and connecting. And that was one thing I'd underestimated, I think, when I walked into your group. You were doing some games and exercises, and that seemed to be your primary focus was connecting everyone. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, so I think it's absolutely understandable the way that you felt. And I think everyone does feel like that when you go into a workshop. As performers, we feel like that, right? I mean, I would refer to it as kind of dialectic. So you can feel two things that are seemingly opposite at the same time so nerves and excitement but you need that like that's that's actually why it's so transferable to other areas of your life because you realize that you know maybe I do have two conflicting emotions but that's okay I can roll with it and something can come out of it the exercises are really based on ensuring that people are safe in that space because it is a massive thing to um in fact I would say it's in some ways it's kind of harder to perform in something that's quite intimate or a smaller group particularly in a mental health service where you feel maybe a bit more exposed or you feel particularly vulnerable so it's about creating a space where we can tolerate that anxiety together or tolerate that uncertainty and try to support each other to find our voice within that space the exercises are always kind of I'm not going to tell you all my secrets but no. <laughs> some of them are kept deliberately vague or broad so that they can be accessed by um, anybody that wants to, to use it and I think it's just about coming together in a group and saying this is really scary but let's give it a go and see what happens and all of a sudden you find that you've just performed 
And that moment is really exciting. So the exercises are kind of built in, in making a safe environment. And it did. Like, it was weird because I was adamant to myself I wasn't going to get up and I would happily listen to everyone else's. And then at the end, I was stood up doing it. And I was like, how did I... What's going on? How did I end up here? Which is remarkable. You know, for me... Yes, I was scared, but I do talk for a living. Mm. So perhaps I had, you know, a slight head start in that way. But you've got people in that room stood up. The most exceptional people. I I had beautiful chats with Mm. everyone in that room. And they're all from different backgrounds. They've all had different Mm -hmm. situations in life to deal with. But they all got up and read their piece, no matter how long, short, deep it felt Mm. and that for me was quite shocking really you know and and then also learning the backstories of the people in that group because you've got people who and I know there's one lady lovely lady that I spoke to for instance who had terrible social anxiety and and couldn't leave her house and Mm. then all of a sudden she's standing up and reading her poem Mm -hmm. I mean, even to leave your house to turn up to a group like that is an exceptional thing to do if you're dealt that card and Mm -hmm. you've got that anxiety. How do you start to work with someone who is so far into that dark place that they've been living in for so long? Well, I mean, I think that's a a good question and one that I don't necessarily know the answer to. I mean, what I would say as well is, so I do, I I run Spoken Mind in the the community with the, um, it's kind of like a day centre really where people can kind of drop in. But I also work in forensic psychiatric hospitals, so with people who might have had some interaction with the criminal justice system. So these people are often under section, will be hospitalised for a substantial amount of time. So I've been running um, Spoken Mind there and honestly, it's amazing it's so good and it's particularly something I'm very passionate about as I was saying kind of creating that space and that sense of movement in an environment where you might feel that you actually really don't have that much control at all and all of a sudden we're spending a couple of hours a week rapping and freestyling it's amazing I love it but I think it's you know all of the groups are voluntary so nobody's ever forced to come to them and it's you know it's really testament to the people that come to the group it's definitely not something i can take credit for i wish i could you can but it's though. them it's them i mean it is for them to leave their house or to or to enter a group that they don't know i mean beyond amazing because i had to really seriously get in a good space to get myself in that room and and and, to do, and i loved it i had the best time i'm not I don't want to paint it in a terrible way. It was a brilliant, beautiful experience. But walking in was absolutely terrifying. Yeah, of course. So definitely them getting there. But then the magic that you do and how you connect everyone is remarkable. And and also how you bring out the words because it's all inside them and it can be in a big jumble. I felt like that myself. Stories and narratives and worries mm. and fears rumbling around your head. And you help to somehow focus that and then draw it out of them. How How do you do that? Do you know what? I'm not scared. Mm. That's it. What you're saying is so fundamental to it, that we have all of these narratives and all of these stories and all these conflicts that we're battling with day in, day out. But if you've got a space where people are not scared to hear that and you're able to kind of start experimenting with it or sometimes you don't even know what it is you're going to write so um, I'm studying psychoanalytic studies I'm definitely very influenced by psychoanalysis and the idea of the unconscious and and what that um, or how that kind of influences us I guess so a lot of spoken minds might be looking at kind of associations that we have with words we don't even necessarily know what they are but all of a sudden you're in a group where we're kind of 
just experimenting with what comes out. If I say the word, I mean, one, one word that's particularly interesting is key. So if I say key, one person might think of that as the key to opening a door, the key towards my journey, whatever it is. In another setting, somebody will interpret a key as something that keeps me locked up mm. or something that cages me. Another person will understand that as a key, as in um, kind of a, a, a musical sense. So that's one word, and there's so many different interpretations around that. But I'm not scared to hear what your interpretation is, and maybe that that's part of it. And also because I'm willing to go there with you. You know, I'm happy to kind of try and think this through. I don't know the answers. That's okay. We can kind of try and work it out together. Mm. And that is really, really important, isn't it? Showing as a group leader that you are going to be equally as vulnerable Mm. and open and honest about your own experiences. And that's what I think for me certainly set the tone of that group like, oh, okay, we are all in this together. And I didn't feel embarrassed. I didn't feel ashamed. I didn't Mm. feel silly because I just heard all these brilliant people stand up and talk about some seriously heartfelt and sort of courageous Mm. moments. And everyone was so engaged with each other and like properly listening. And I guess also in this day and age where everything is so fast paced and digital to actually just sit and listen to other people without being distracted and to hear them and for them to felt heard is, I mean, that for me felt mega powerful. Mm. Like that for me was a a huge transaction and I got more probably out of listening to everyone else's words than I did from standing up and, and saying my own piece. You said some really interesting things in the session that I hadn't given much thought to before because I'm not very well versed in rap music I I like it but I don't know much about it Mm -hmm. but I think that you brought a real logic to it that I can understand one of them being structure and and how you create that but also the emotion around it Mm. and the perspective of where that's coming from what when you're writing your own raps what are you channeling and and how do you make sense of that who knows sometimes (laughs) it just comes out really really weird stuff and again I try to never never throw anything away because sometimes you might just have a little bit of a a splurge of words that rhymed and that's okay you can kind of come back to it I think when I'm writing so in the past um, when I started writing a cappella spoken word it was very much from anger I was kind of trying to comprehend some of the things that I'd been through and that had to manifest for me in rage actually Mm. Now that I'm in a completely different place, um, I'm experimenting with language. That's kind of, I think I talk in the groups about purpose and that will often shape the way that you write. So my purpose now is to experiment with rhythm and with language. So I'll often kind of, you know, go through YouTube and find beats and just see what happens when I try to put words to it. So that means that sometimes things come out really bizarrely, which is great. It's fun, you know, like I'm not, I feel like I'm very blessed that I'm just in this space where I want to create things. And it doesn't, you know, I'm not doing it with the intention of making a name for myself as a rap artist. It, it's more kind of, when I want to respect the group that I run or kind of respect the poets that I'm working with to do it with them. So it might even be that I think, okay, we've been talking about tongue twisters in a group. Let me see if I can do it myself because it's about creating a space where we're equal as artists and there isn't a hierarchy so I'm going to do it with them does that make sense completely okay great how do you or 
when did you start to realise that you could be that brave? Because you're saying, you know, throughout this chat, when you're in your group, you're not scared to hear what people are going to say. And equally, you're not scared to put yourself out there and bear your soul and speak, you know, the truth and tell your story. How did you get to that place where you're able to do that in a really confident and comfortable way? Do you know what? I don't even know if I am confident. I think it's about tolerating the fear. Mm. I think confidence is an incredibly complicated emotion. Confidence is not necessarily in that moment. It might be a process and it might be the things around you that you've built. So I get a lot of confidence from knowing that I've overcome things in, in multiple ways. So why does it matter if I'm on stage and I say something and, you know, I definitely get hecklers. That's happened many times. I oh, love hecklers. I love it. do you it. do? I just read the whole poem directly at them. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. I love it. And you know, I would cry. There's no, the it's so fun. Oh, it's so fun. It depends what you're saying. Obviously, it's a very, if it's a very personal piece, it's a little bit like, come on, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe leave me alone a bit. But wow. I don't know. I think I have confidence in certain ways, and I have, you know, the same kind of nerves and anxiety as anyone else. It's just kind of maybe knowing that for me, it's important to embrace that fear. Tolerating fear is an interesting and excellent phrase because. Because I don't think many of us bother to tolerate much these days. Mm-hmm. Because we want things quicker or we want a distraction exactly. or I can't deal with this, so I'm going to do this instead. And there is so much to be learned from tolerating, I guess, that discomfort of fear because mm. it does feel edgy and ugh, horrible at times. Mm. But I guess that's what draws out this art and mm. this and these words and, and what needs to come through. And that's a really important part of it. But you know what? Sometimes you have to. Mm. Like, if you think about, um, so with the, if I think about the work I'm doing with East London NHS Foundation Trust in the, in the hospitals, you know, when people have a certain diagnosis, so if you think of experiences of psychosis or, you know, diagnosis of personality disorder, there's so much stigma around that. You know, your whole life really is affected by that. So you kind of don't really have a choice but to have to confront some element of that but the way that we do that can be diverse and so that's what I'm trying to do is create a kind of outlet or or a way to talk about things that seem so impossible just to have a moment where you just give that verbalization or you just give that the space and just sit with it for a minute. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you see sort of big changes after the first time you've had someone in your group get up and read out, it could even be one sentence, but something mm. that meant something to them and that they've actually turned that corner and they've spoken those words aloud. Mm. Is it then quite a quick process that you see that transformation of them enjoying it and wanting to do it more? Because, you know, we all understand then once we've been through that process that it's a healing one and that Mm. it's never going to be a negative experience. No one's going to sit there and go, that was rubbish. It's going to be accepted, embraced and also feel really good personally. Mm. Well, I think... In, in some ways, yes, though I, I would refer to it as the epiphany moment. Generally in the groups, everybody has their 
sudden light bulb moment when they've said something and it's like, oh, I didn't realise I could do this. Or it's something I didn't realise that this was affecting me so much and now I know what it is I'm confronting. Like, let me try and tackle it on, you know, head first. At the same time, you know, because I'm working with, with people who, quote unquote, um, are in recovery from severe and enduring mental illness, that journey is not linear. It's not a straight journey. So... There will be times where people will have whatever you want to call it, kind of a relapse or a difficult moment, whatever it is. That can be difficult. You have to really try to bear in mind that everybody is individual and things are not always going to go to plan. People will have things in their life that happen, things with housing, finance, whatever it is, that can feel like it sets you back. But I guess the point is that you've started that process. And so you know, it's almost like you have a toolbox, right? And you've started to put things in this toolbox that you can rely on when you do have those difficult moments but it's definitely not straightforward that can be challenging you know seeing somebody that you've you've worked with so generally my my courses are six weeks so you do get to know people incredibly well we were talking about the most intimate feelings that we have or connections that we have with words is um very exposing i imagine but yeah so sometimes you have the epiphany moment you have tears we cry a lot in spoken minds um which is great you know it's important it's okay to cry but at the same time, things are not, it's not always onwards and upwards. Sometimes we have to take two steps back before we walk forward again. Yeah, like but it's still recovery. movement. It's yeah, still movement. Exactly, exactly. What's interesting there as well is, so there's the obvious feeling of writing something down, saying it aloud and knowing that felt good. But what you just said's brilliant there as well. And probably something that I discovered in your session was actually writing something down can be the moment you admit it to yourself Mm -hmm. because you can have thoughts rumbling around your head but you'll have one voice saying this and another voice saying that and you can kind of push things to one side but once you've written it down there it is Mm -hmm. on a piece of paper and Mm -hmm. that is you know that's the true emotion that's the gut feeling that you know you've expressed and and that is very important and I guess really handy to then know as you say what to tackle next and what you're dealing with I completely agree with you so you say for example you're writing about it could be anything even just literally how I'm feeling right now and you start writing it down but there's still a distance between what you've written you've got a pen and you've got a paper if someone gives you a mic and you then go a cappella, and you have to speak it out loud, that moment is the most, I mean, I would call it revolutionary. I think it's such an incredible opportunity to get something physically out. All of a sudden, it's in the air. But what's amazing is that no matter how isolating it feels or how, you know, if you feel misunderstood or you're going to say something and people are going to interpret it completely the wrong way, And I've read some weird stuff in my time, but there will always be somebody that has heard what you've said. And it's that kind of hit moment. It's that when you have a, you know, your favourite song or you're on a bus and there's a particular note that somebody sings and it, it moves you. That's what we're doing with spoken word or hip hop. There were some amazing people in your group and there was one lady that I was talking to who I I guess had been coming to your sessions a lot and she now has the confidence and the knowledge learned from you to go out and actually tackle open mic nights of her own accord no one's telling her to Mm -hmm. do it it's certainly not something you're prescribing for her to go and do she has realized how massively therapeutic and cathartic that process is for her that for you must feel bloody amazing to know that you've been such a huge part of her whole life changing really because it is 
Yeah, I mean, the the pride that I have for the people I work with is intense. I don't even know if I could put it into words, actually. Maybe that's the one thing that I would find difficult to express. It's great to hear that people are going to open mics. And that is also something I feel so passionate about. Because, you know, when we think about the conversations we're having around mental health, and, you know, we are taking steps, we're talking about diagnoses like anxiety and depression increasingly, which is amazing. It's really important for people to be able to talk about their experiences. What I do feel that we could maybe develop a little bit more is looking at the nuances of mental health experiences. So like psychosis, or like personality disorders as a diagnosis or you know trauma that people have been through that still needs to find a space it still needs to be represented in conversation I don't think we're quite there yet but if people are going to spoken word nights or coming to spoken minds or getting involved in that that's that's the best thing I could possibly hear Mm. because that is representing your experience on stage with other people it's amazing the other thing I would say with the the six week structure that I run at mind is the final session we have kind of like an open space so I invite different performers or rappers or spoken word artists to come into the group and that's really about bringing the community to them and meeting people where they're at and saying you know what maybe it is difficult to go outside or it is difficult to mingle with people you don't know so they will come to you. Oh, I love Mind. I love it so, so much. So what you're saying there is, you know, because I, I work with Mind and I hear a lot about, you know, how people are opening up this conversation mm. and talking about it in a very different way. But there is still kind of a vague description of mental health mm. and well-being. And spoken word or just simply communicating can be the key to being more specific about the many varying degrees mm. and diagnoses of mental health issues out there. Yeah, definitely. One thing that I am thinking about is this idea of choice and language. So part of Spoken Minds as well is kind of trying to diversify our emotional vocabulary and being accurate, right? So accuracy is quite a strange thing. But if you think about, if I say to you, okay, I today I feel angry today I feel furious today I feel moody those words that I'm using will communicate to you the severity of what I'm saying you know so if I say I'm fuming then you're going to react to me in a certain way but the more that we use language and the more we talk about those specific experiences and how accurate we can get with that the more choice we have when we're communicating it if that makes sense so that that's quite an interesting well that's what you really focused on in your group which I absolutely loved when I was there was you did an exercise where you gave us certain words and we had to do whatever we Mm. pleased with them and like you say those sort of interpretations were completely different depending on who the person was that picked up that that particular word and and you were really trying to sort of hone our skill in being accurate and displaying that emotion appropriately and that could be using for instance a colour and how we associate colour with emotion Mm. and I hadn't given that any thought at all for people out there sort of listening to this thinking you know what I've never written anything, haven't written a diary, haven't written a verse, haven't written a poem. Where do people start? Is it tips like that that is going to actually help sort of release those feelings? Because we can all write a story down of, you know, I woke up, this happened to me. But really getting into the nitty gritty of those emotions and mm. feelings, which is going to sort of unlock a lot of stuff that can be stagnant and just rumbling around our bodies 
is it is it kind of thinking outside the box like that with colours and expressions? I mean, yeah, I would say that you could start with, okay, so the immediate colour that comes to my mind is red. I think red is quite an interesting one because immediately there's so many connotations around anger or love, which is interesting given that they're complete opposites, right? Or supposedly. Yeah opposite so you could always start with um, a color and just set yourself a time limit so okay in fact this is this is what I would do let's go with red you've got five minutes just write whatever comes what I would say is that that sometimes can rouse really difficult emotion because it might be that red means um I don't know let's let's say anger for example that's not necessarily a comfortable emotion to sit with so if somebody should start that speed writing exercise and things do come up that are are difficult the way that you can kind of manage that or try to give yourself more choice is to then do it again but specifically move away from that association so now writing specifically with love just to give yourself a little bit more flexibility what would then um, or has happened in group before is like the key that I mentioned if somebody was writing about the key and that became very difficult the exercise for the week would be write about the key in every single way you can think of in that moment or moving forward when you hear key you don't immediately go to that one association you now know oh the key could also mean this so I would say that it's about being mindful about how comfortable is this for you but also I would say that there's two kind of key purposes one is testimony so you have something that you feel very strongly or an experience that you've had that you need to express and you need to say this is how I feel so you might write from the me mine or my it could be that you just want to explore things in which case what I would suggest is maybe using characters or writing about he, she, they. So you give yourself a little bit of distance and you just think, okay, I don't know what it is I want to say, but I'm going to create a bit of safety for me. It's not me that's saying it directly. I'm not owning it so bluntly, but I'm going to use this character and go from it from there. Would you say that it can almost be not necessarily easier because, of course, spoken word and rap is hugely challenging on many levels, but it can be easier for some than actually sitting down with a friend and admitting... I've got a problem here. Mm. I feel awful, mm. you know, and and telling the truth. This is almost kind of, I don't want to say nicer because it could still bring up a load of stuff, but it's possibly an easier route or a more fluid route of getting those emotions out and not feeling, you know, all the horrible things that are associated with the taboo around mental health. So feeling ashamed, feeling alienated, mm. um, feeling very alone and confused. This is a a more connective way perhaps of of expressing yourself and and getting that out yeah the first thing that kind of comes to mind as you're saying that is I'm thinking about in drug and alcohol services a kind of uh, popular writing um, outlet would be to write a letter to your dependency or, or addiction as it's commonly known as and that could be quite an interesting experience in who are you addressing there are you kind of reading for an audience and what does that mean or is it is it something that's very personal I, I don't know but there there is a connectivity that comes with spoken word and hip-hop part of it I guess is because we're using rhythm so it's almost like in a way we're making the most difficult experiences pleasant to hear but actually the content that we're saying is completely uncomfortable and it isn't something that we talk about in day-to-day conversation and that's the power of spoken word you can Mm. say things that you would never say to somebody sitting on a bus but if you put it into poetry maybe you would you know so it Mm. kind of gives you that rhythm to your truth 
Statistically, we've seen over the years that men do find it more difficult to open up and mm. talk. There's been, you know, many a study done where, um, you know, men find it very hard to talk to their peers or um, their families and be open if they are having a tough time. How have you found the difference in gender within your own groups? So at the moment, I've been working in a low secure unit. And previously to that, I was working in a medium secure unit, which is the kind of tiers, I guess you would call it, for forensic psychiatric hospitals. So I've only actually worked with men for the last uh, nine months, I think. So I'm trying to think if I noticed any substantial differences I don't necessarily I think the experiences that people come with or I'm wondering whether there's a difference in emotion I don't I don't know necessarily if I am seeing particular gender differences in expression because again it's that the versatility of spoken word is that it really is open to everybody what I do find is that in groups where gender might come into play a little bit more is because you're in a group so for example if you're a man in in one of my groups and then there's several women sometimes that has actually facilitated a conversation about I don't spend much time with women or I haven't been this vulnerable or exposed so that you know it does create that space to to talk about it but yeah at the moment I'm I'm only working with men what do you do if someone is very reluctant to write anything down, but you know that this is going to be a good tool for them to use? Happens all the time. I bet. Yeah. I think it depends on the environment you're working in. You do need to make sure that you're not making assumptions about why that is. So it could be that, actually, I would I'd give an example of somebody that I've been working with recently has started to, I mean, it's quite a complex journey to get us to this point but has been saying recently well I can't do this I'm mentally ill or I hear voices I can't do this so I thought okay let me try and work out a way to get this person a little bit more involved so we started doing kind of seemingly silly exercises right so at one point I got everybody in the group to and this is in a, a psychiatric hospital right we were all standing up and all at once we just start freestyling and just start speaking whatever it is that we've been writing in the last couple of groups, right? But everybody's part of that. Then I'll start saying, okay, now read the same thing, but sitting down. Now stand up. Now jump up and down when you're doing it. Now look at the wall. Now look at each other, whatever it is. But because it's silly and anybody, nobody's going to expect you to kind of reel off this masterpiece, nobody can hear you because actually when we're all speaking together, we find a silence in that in a very strange way. But this person who was saying, you know, I can't do this, whatever, I'm not capable of doing it. I was then able to say, you're doing it right now, so you can't give me that excuse anymore because you're literally doing it right now. And honestly, since then, this particular person, I mean, wow. They're they're so studious and people work in different ways. Like spoken word, it doesn't have to be about I need to write a masterpiece or I need to write the most beautiful Shakespearean the thou poem. It could be... For that moment, I was part of a group. And when you're working with people who have been literally physically removed from communities or marginalised for their entire lives, and all of a sudden you can say, don't give me that excuse, I've just seen you do it. That makes it all worth it. That is such a brilliant exercise. And so interesting that, you know, it's not necessarily the fear of saying it, 
in that moment, it's the fear of someone else hearing what you've got to say. Exactly. And that goes back to, you know, and I've been there to some extent in my own story, in my own lesser version of feeling like I am feeling like this, this and this, but I don't want to tell anyone because I don't want to be judged. Mm. I don't want anyone to know this about me. Mm. I don't, You know, I feel it and I'm feeling alienated and a bit ashamed, but... I don't want anyone to know about that because mm. then they're going to think that about me. Mm. And then the first thing you realise when you open your mouth and speak to a great friend or whoever you so choose is that that is met, that information is met with kindness, mm-hmm. openness, acceptance, and instantly all of those feelings start to dissipate. And yeah. it is a scary moment being heard for the first time, I guess. And mm-hmm. for people that have been removed from communities for whatever reason, that is a huge deal to... Mm-hmm be heard by someone else but the important point that you're making there is sometimes the the biggest judgment comes from us we are our own worst enemies sometimes so that's why speaking it out loud it doesn't really matter who else heard it or who else is looking at you for you to do it in the mirror do you know what i mean that is so much harder than doing anything in front of other crowd because you know that you're fighting yourself all the time so I think that's a really important thing to remember is that it's challenging us as well so when you start doing that you will realize that actually you can make yourself your friend and you can start to align yourself a little bit more and from there maybe you have the confidence to speak to other people Um, Mm. but it's interesting because I do think we can the way that we speak to ourselves we would never speak to a friend it's unbelievable I know I mean that's one that I deal with all the time I think many women do is that you beat yourself up about everything and you tear yourself apart and you're right you know actually saying something to yourself in the mirror oh excruciating Mm, but what mm. a brilliant exercise to try out just to see what comes up and what discomfort you know you're facing and you're dealing with in that situation do you think for someone that's never done this before it's better to have a focus on subject matter or do you think it is important to be really free and clear and just see what rolls out when you put pen to paper it depends on where you're at I would say like to try to practice things safely so if you're in a particularly if you're feeling very suicidal or you're feeling quite in a way for want of a better term at risk or that you maybe need a little bit of support or people around you get yourself to an open mic night or get yourself to a local mind um, kind of hook in with local services you don't have to do it on your own obviously it's there for you to use whenever you want and that's another beauty of spoken word is you can do it anywhere you can do it on the bus in the supermarket wherever it's not reliant on mental health services but if you people people listening will know in themselves whether or not this is the right moment for them to do that so I'd always be mindful of that and think about can I do this alone right now or do I maybe need some support around me because the spoken word community is very open and anybody can get involved in it and I'm always around so I'll cheer you on (laughs) yeah do you think that okay so the thing that I came away with more than anything from your group was the sense of connection it sounds Mm. like a really obvious thing to say but I walked in there not knowing anyone and I came away going oh my god I love that person I had a wicked chat with that person Mm. we've got so much in common me and her it was remarkable do you think that a sense of community especially in this modern digital world of such brevity and craziness really with how fast-paced everything is these days do you think that we underestimate the importance of community yeah I would say that. Um, I think community is complicated, though, because we, 
and this is part of what I was saying in terms of when we have conversations around mental health, we need to think about well, who is somebody's immediate community? If you're hospitalised, your sense of community is going to be very different to somebody who's um, you know able to get to their job or you know has stable housing or whatever. So community is a very nuanced thing, and it's not always that obvious who you can turn to as part of your community. Sometimes you have to create it for yourself, and I think that's why music and hip hop and spoken word or whatever creative skill that you have is something you can develop that's authentically you that you can work on and develop but also gives you access to communities that you want to choose you know even if you think about family family doesn't have to be blood relative that can be who we make it so I think community is about choice and it's about respecting the diversity of experiences that we have at the same time it's okay to have a bit of time to yourself you know, and sometimes we need a little bit of privacy or to focus on how to be more independent. Anything goes really. But yeah, I guess being in the moment, if I think about like mindfulness meditation, which to be fair, I'm not great at and I don't love that much. <laughs> um, but it's something really valuable about mm. being in the moment. And we do that when we're listening to music. Like if, mm. on a Friday night, you will find me in my kitchen cooking and listening to jazz. And that that is my mindfulness and in a way, that's kind of my community too, even if it's me on my own, you know? Yeah, you have to find what works for you, don't mm. you? I'm, I love those moments of connection, and especially when it's completely out of the blue, like coming to your session. But equally, I love being on my own. Mm. I really like listening to music and cooking and or just reading a book. And it's getting that balance of not going too deep into that and embracing community at the same mm. time but that's still your connection right yeah, like yeah. when you're on your own and you're if you're so I'm a big walker and I try to walk at least an hour in the morning and there's nobody else is with me but I'm more connected in a way to the environment than I would be otherwise and part of that is slowing down and not kind of being on my phone it's you know safely in my bag I'm not checking WhatsApp or Instagram or whatever it mm. is I'm just kind of taking that moment for me and that is connectivity even though it's completely alone so what is in your personal toolbox if you're having a tough time? I think so. I've been reflecting on what is my happy place, right? Because it's not, it's actually kind of hard to think of when mm. you think, is there one place that I'm most happy? So definitely when I'm listening to jazz, but it has to be a very particular volume. Do you know what I mean? Really? You know, you listen, yeah. It's what, just, mega loud? I don't even saying? know what it is. Right. And I think it varies, but it's just this one particular note, a particular volume that, is my happy place but at the same time happy places change right so as people we are complicated and we are strange and unusual and we change so our happy place changes too so I guess my toolbox would change depending on what I'm doing at the moment I definitely say writing is probably my go-to if I need to get something out or if I need to reflect on something but I would also say it could be the most simple thing so for me I think a happy place would be you know those really really seemingly insignificant moments with a stranger in a news agent's or for some reason I always say news agent's very meaningful places for me <laughs> but you have like very insignificant moment when somebody's just nice to you that's really important that can go in the toolbox and I also am a big fan of baths mm. 
if I'm stressed out, I'm in the bath immediately. Um, and maybe that's about being present in the moment again. Um, and, and just maybe bring it back off. to the physical as well. Because yeah. I think we all place so much importance on our mind and think that our minds are running the show. And stuff like having a bath where it's a physical experience totally. is really a big changer. And also, actually, talking of bodies, if you think about things like trauma, reconnecting with your body can be the most amazing thing. So even with my walking, though, in the past, trust me, you would never... I would not even run for a bus. Like, I hated walking, really didn't like it. Part of that was because I felt like if I was walking up a hill or, you know, hiking with my mum, people would be looking at me thinking, why is she doing that? Or she can't do it right. Now, I walk an hour every day. Don't underestimate yourself. Like, just see what happens um, and kind of go from there. But reclaiming the traumatised body is the most difficult but the most empowering revolutionary act you can do because you're reclaiming something for yourself and through things like yoga or walking or very gentle exercise you start to become more attuned to yourself and start to treat yourself a little bit nicer so I think the physical completely ties in mm, with the psychological it's really important isn't it Wanda thank you so much for your time and your words and your wisdom it's um, just so brilliant talking to you and I didn't properly say thank you before in person for that amazing session that I got thank to take Honestly, it was a game changer for me. I just loved it. So thank you so much. Thank you for coming. It was great to have you there. Thank you again to the brilliant Wanda. It was an absolute pleasure. If you're interested in attending a session like Wanda's, then check out Mind in your area. There are local branches across the UK. So to find yours, go to mind.org.uk. Next week, we meet Natalie Dormer. I don't know what it's like when you start a show or something, but it's a pure refinement of concentration. And it's almost a similar feeling that I've had is running in the middle of a marathon or when you're really feeling it in a yoga class. And there is this purity of concentration and centeredness and being. Get it as soon as it's ready for your ears when you subscribe. You can do that for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify and more. Just search Happy Place. Until next week, my thanks again to Wanda, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and to you lovely people for listening. I'll see you next week. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.